why do birds fly to warmer climates in the winter? Because it's much easier than walking. <laughs> Dude, what a great time to be a wrestling fan. You have stardom and the NWA providing a perfect balance to the WWE and AEW right now. Using mullet power, that's mullet power, baby. The Rock and Roll Express are back as NWA Tag Team Champions of the World as we head into Into the Fire. Yeah, we actually ordered Into the Fire from the NWA. The first wrestling pay-per-view we've actually ordered in about 10 years. What can you say when you have people like Thunder Rosa doing volunteer work for the Salvation Army in God's Republic of Texas? But they are messing with my emotions right now. Trevor Murdoch faces off against the question mark. Ooh, who will you be cheering for? I'm so confused. I have shirts for both. You know who the winner is going to be, right? Who's that? The fans. Absolutely, sir. Speaking of our main man, Trevor Murdoch, Matt, have you heard about Indie Mania? The retro video game? Yes, sir. They've actually opened up a fans polling kind of thing to see who all will be in the next uh, release of the game. Are you saying there's a chance? So this is how you be considered. The nomination period runs through Sunday, December 15th at 11.59 Eastern. So by the time this podcast comes out, we'll be in round two, but we're going to be promoting this across our social media platforms. You can email them at IndieMania at RetroSoftStudios.com. And aside from their name, you need a photo where they primarily wrestle, why are you nominating this wrestler, and any additional information that would make them a good fit for IndieMania. So let's talk about why Trevor Murdoch's the prime candidate for this. We're going to provide you with a photo, obviously. He wrestles primarily in the NWA right now. Mm-hmm. We're nominating him because he's great. Yep. And the guy sacrificed his own career to go take care of a legend, namely Harley Race. Put everything on hold. After everything that he could do, he, he finally made his way back into wrestling through the good graces of the NWA. And what kind of a better person is that? I agree. He's a hell of a dude. And if the least we can do is get him in a retro video game, man. Matt, great news. What's that? Internally, we're up to the tens of people now. Tens of people? We're double digits. We're actually starting to see some traffic across our social media platforms. We appreciate it and aggravate your friends about us. You should definitely aggravate your friends about us. And then we'll aggravate them for you. Because if we can't get the word out about stardom and other great wrestling, the communists win. And we don't want the communists to win. We actually have a question sent in this week, Matt. A question of the week? John Wilson of Huntsville, Alabama says, Who are you and why won't you leave me alone? (laughs) Fair point. As we said, we are face for wrestling and we're here to annoy you. That's our job in this world. And you can be annoyed by catching us on Facebook at facebook.com slash face for wrestling or twatter at face for wrestling. And you can find all of our episodes completely free on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes so that you can help us spread the word of stardom and other great wrestling. And you can make us start bothering other people and we'll leave you alone, Mr. Wilson. So with all of our self-serving out of the way, is there anything else that we need to go over? No, I think that's about it. We've done all our plugging and now it's time to touch on them asses. I mean, talk about them. I mean... Let's get started. I'm leaving all of that in. So we hop back into our DeLorean, and we're heading back over to Hakata Star Lanes on November 4th, 2018, with an attendance of about 300 for a night show. We have six matches all together like we did last night, with our main event being the finals of the Goddess of Stardom tournament. I still think it's awesome having a tag tournament every so often. I agree, especially like breaking out once a year. The year's winding down. You can kind of knock out... um, I don't want to say some quick and easy matches, but you can you can put a lot of people forward as the end of the year is coming about and you're setting up for your your big matches for the end of the year in December. So you get a chance for everybody to get a little bit of TV time before the end of the year and get prepped for what you're going to do for the next year. I do like singles matches as well, but this can be used to build or advance more detailed stories within the promotions and the actual factions that you have there. You'll notice that Stardom has its regulars, right? Yes. Kind of like when ECW was around and they had Faith No More Guy and Vladimir the Superfan. So you may hear us refer to some of them here and there over time. Mayu? Definitely Mr. Mayu Guy. (laughs) Do we get Tank Top? I think I saw Tank Top Guy this time as well. 
Uh, he was sitting right next to his uh, rapper guy last time on the last yeah. show. Yeah. Those guys are amazing, by the way. I'm a fan. It's good when you're a fan of the fans of a promotion. To be in your 60s and have no shame like that. And everybody else is in, like, full-on coats. You know it's got to be cold. He gives no fucks. That's going to be me. Wait, that is me right now. <laughs> <laughs> you may also notice that Stardom moves between the same few venues a lot. Uh, it's for two reasons. First, it keeps the show fresh in the different areas between Tokyo and Osaka. And second, it's actually because at this point, Stardom doesn't have their own ring yet. Ten years into the promotion and Japanese Jack Tunney is pinching those pennies to ensure success. So tonight, we have traditional turnbuckle pads, and yesterday, we had the kickboxing turnbuckle covers. But they do own a ring cover and apron, so they aren't too terribly cheap. Speaking of, as we are recording this right now, I'd like to express my hatred of the People's Republic of California. What'd they do this time? As we speak right now, Mayu and Tam are in the ring in Anaheim, California. Them yes. bastards. Oh, so we're, we're mad because they got them and we didn't? Exactly. Agreed. But California is in for a great show at the Chara Expo. So please appreciate what you have because you could get more of it if you are proper in your whatever. Treat them well so they'll treat you well. Our first match of the night is B. Priestley and Chardonnay versus Natsu and Martina in the red bracket. Martina opens up with talking and Natsu follows along as Martina says she has no clue. I believe you. <laughs> yeah, she said she didn't really do well in the last match because she couldn't understand Japanese. But in this match, she's going to do a lot better because the other two people speak English. But isn't your team still at a disadvantage if you have a non-English speaker on your team? Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I crank the volume up sometimes to see if they actually call spots or anything like that. And yeah. I have not heard a peep out of anybody in these matches. I don't know what she's referring to. Yeah, no, it was a it was a weird promo. At the 105 point, you can actually see in Natsu's eyes and reactions that she's ready to let this team go. I think she kind of has fun with the entrance a little bit, but as far as being a second session Moth Martina, I think she's kind of done with it. Now we cut over to B and Chardonnay, and holy crap, Matthew, B isn't wearing her black lipstick. She's not wearing her black lipstick. She still has the green hair, though. I'm guessing it was confiscated by customs. Or she ran out and couldn't find it anymore. They say some words. They did. And shoot the QQ symbol. Because we are Queen's Quest, and we are awesome. Matt, do you have any idea what they said? Because all I got was British Boomhowers here. Um, all I have written down is English speak. So, no, I didn't catch them this time. Cut to inside the arena, and Odeotai comes in for their dance tonight. And what's worse than one session, Moth Martina? What? Two of them. Oh, yeah. This intro is terrible. This arena just is not great for sound quality. So your bad techno sounds like even worse techno. And just the way the entrance is set up here, it's just not a great feel for anybody for me. Well, I'm glad they're kind of getting it out of the way early tonight because tonight is the finals of the tournament. Yeah. Martina's still in the back looking like she's having epilepsy. Yeah. <laughs> and Natsu is joining her in it this time. So it's just not a good look for them. B and Chardonnay come down, and they keep their entrance short. As short as their pants, maybe? Is it time, Matthew? It is time to touch on them asses. Go on. I just, I don't get it. We have a little bit better trunks from B this this time around, but, and a different set of trunks for Chardonnay that actually look better, but are still just as short. Like, I, I just, I don't understand the aspect of, I'm going to wrestle, here's my ass. So, remember back in the day of the 90s and WWF being on TV during the Attitude Era? I remember the 90s. They were great times. Not as good as the 80s, but they were a close second. Well, I mean, you know, that's because you weren't a WCW fan, but nobody's perfect. <laughs> it's RoboCop coming down the aisle. <laughs> hey, hey, better than Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris was able to get a kick out. RoboCop just stood there like an idiot. All right, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but we had women going around during the Attitude Era wearing skimpy clothing. And it was the Attitude Era. Vince Russo yeah. was booking and all that other garbage. But it made sense for the time, right? Yeah. The women weren't actually going in the ring, and the women weren't actually going in the ring pulling off some of the heights and feats that you see in stardom, right? Right. The problem I have with this, just just marginally, is the fact that stardom has found that wonderful little middle ground on this. You have beautiful women that are able to get in the ring and just go at it all day long athletically in ways that you never would have seen any other wrestler do, male or female. So I think when you have ladies come out showing their asses, it kind of takes away from what's actually going on with stardom. 
it's not that I don't want to see naked ladies around. I mean, I'm okay with it. Nothing wrong There's, with naked ladies. But I don't think it's needed here. So put some pants on. I, to me, it's not even so much that it's, hey, put some pants on. It's just strange for me, like I said, that it's every British wrestler that comes through here is doing this. Like, I, I don't understand what's going on in British wrestling. Old ref checks everyone out, and we're underway with Chardonnay and Martina starting. Martina goes straight to work in the crowd, and even Chardonnay is confused. Yeah, uh, she does some decent crowd work. The crowd's into it. The weird part for me at this point is, again, pointing out what you said earlier about them not having their own ring. This ring seems to be a bit bouncier, springier, if you will. It seems like the wrestlers are a little off their game with this new ring as well. Then you're throwing in the confusing nature of Martina's kind of gimmick as well. It just makes for a kind of weird start to this match. Martina must have your gimmick here, Matthew. She locks in an arm lock and shouts, Wrestling! I love it. I like, I actually was a fan with the crowd work. She's It's the wrong crowd for this kind of crowd work, but I think she would get over huge in like a Chikara or a maybe even Ring of Honor. Chardonnay does some flips to reverse it, and Martina does stuff ending with the what I'm going to call the kip down. <laughs> I actually enjoy this spot because she just lays there and tries to get up and can't and forces Old Ref to come help her up. And Old Ref, you could tell, does not want to help her up in the least. This was an amazing spot. <laughs> yeah. I Like I said, I want to hate Martina. I don't like the whole female Sandman gimmick, but it is damn enjoyable. I, I, I have to give her credit. Chardonnay has Martina down on the mat for an arm submission, but Martina might legitimately be drunk here. She tags in Natsu, and we get double toss to the ropes and Irish whips into the corners for the Bronco Busters. And then a team one on Chardonnay. Again, not a huge fan of the Bronco Buster, but I, I enjoy that they use it as a humiliation spot and not as an actual move. So, good job. Well, a better spot comes right after that as B is arguing with Old Ref and Natsu and Martina are doing the Odeo Tai rope taunting spot. Yeah, the Odeo Tai rope taunting spot is, I, I'm a huge fan. Chardonnay muscles in a body slam on Natsu and dropping to her knee to prevent receiving one as well. Yeah, she's definitely the beast of this match, which was a little surprising knowing a little bit of the, the background and a little bit of the future of what's going to happen in stardom. The fact that B's not the monster in the match was a little surprising, but Chardonnay plays the role really well. Oh, don't worry. B comes in right after that with a nasty-looking knee to the face of Natsu in the corner. What'd you call it? The B's knees? Ooh. <laughs> We're going to make this thing. Ah, Chardonnay does this terrible slow-motion spinning gut kick to Natsu. It wasn't botched. It was just really slow. Yeah. But recovers with a sideways single-leg code breaker that looked really good. As Chardonnay is running the ropes, Natsu pulls out her whip from thin air, apparently, and wax Chardonnay across the chest with it. I have no idea where this thing came from. We need that key that stats your boat, Mr. Big Stuff. Let's have it. It's up my ass. Are you serious? Why don't you check? Well? Check! What if he's lying? If he were telling the truth, that would be better? Same. Like, I was going to make a note that there's a little bit of... They use weapons sometimes and the ref doesn't care, and then they use weapons sometimes and the ref does care. But the way Natsu uses this whip, like, you just never know when it's going to happen. I, like I said, I'm with you. I don't know where she keeps the thing because it just came out of thin air. This is followed up with everybody getting in the ring and arguing with what we think is English, and Natsu can't follow any of it. Don't worry, Natsu. Neither can we. Yeah, it was another really good spot of just kind of playing off the whole thing they set up in the promo package of three of them speaking English and one of them not. Again, I'm glad they're doing it in the first match and not saving it for the finals. Natsu catches B and Chardonnay with a double sling blade. Martina hits a snug-looking headbutt on Chardonnay. Mm. Yeah, and I like, though, that she sold it on herself as well. It wasn't the foreign, I've got a hard head gimmick. It was the, I'm going to hit you with whatever I have. Oh, shit, that hurt me, too. Followed by a little bit of rope running and Chardonnay hitting a flying knee to Martina's chest. Yeah, she's trying to steal B's knees. B hits a drop kick to Martina's back while she's on all fours. Very snug. Martina gets up and manages to headbutt B. Now, I went back and watched this a couple of times because mm. I heard the dirty leg slap. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. But I didn't see anyone do it. So, fuck that, my friend. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's... <laughs> It's the acting style of, it'll look better if you just hit me in the face. 
this point, I'd like to say, no. No. <laughs> B runs behind Martina and rolls her up into an arm submission. Yeah, I, I called it the rolling rings of Saturn. Martina follows this with the laziest roll through DDT to B. After a short exchange, B is whipped into the corner and takes a little bit to get up top. Martina just stands there and watches her climb. And B just smashes her knees into Martina's chest. I don't know if it's just the ring being a little off. It took B a second to get up there. Yeah, just laziness on Martina's spot because she was setting up for the spot instead of selling to give her some time to get up there. B does the jumping curb stomp onto Martina and gets the three in 939. I like her curb stomp. It's probably the safest looking curb stomp of the two I know of in wrestling. It comes off almost non-impactful, but I'd take non-impactful and safe over I'm just going to smash your face into the ground and hope you're okay. Props to here to Martina for doing the favors on the way out. As we mentioned, she's not too much longer for stardom temporarily. Yeah, it's, it's the end of the tour. Tip of the hat, lady. Yep. It was a comedy opener, but still had some seriousness to it. I'm a little confused with Martina as it looks like she attended the intro class of wrestling, but skipped all the way to the last couple of weeks and then tried to pass off that she had been there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, she does a couple good spots there in the match. She's definitely no Bret Hart in the ring, but like I said, it's serviceable for your early card. Uh, she knows what the moves are, but is either really slow at doing them because she's not proficient at them or mm -hmm. gets confused halfway through executing them. Yeah. Chardonnay's gear is way better this show. I'm guessing she had to change since our last episode, since her last set got caught way up in her ass the last show. It only got caught semi-up her ass in this show. B is looking as green as grass, but is quickly improving here. Yeah, you can see an improvement from the last show to this one. She's, she's definitely coming along. A lot of people saw her for the first time in the U.S. when she debuted for AEW and was wondering where all the snugness came from, in particular in her matches with uh, Dr. Britt Baker. Yeah. Well, here you go. Yeah. Watch any match of her in stardom. Watch any stardom match, and you'll find out where she learned it from. Oh, shit, Matt. It's the hidden match of the night. It's time for murder. In the next red bracket match, we have the team of Konami and Azumi versus Kegetsu and Hazuki. Mother of God. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. If you know anything about these ladies, you know you're in for a treat. So sit back and enjoy. The first pre-match promo is Azumi and Konami, and they're just happy to be back in this arena. I'm glad I, someone is. I was a huge fan of this as well. They, they, they say, we can't really win. So we're just going to keep Odeo Tai from winning, getting any more points so that we can help Momo and Atami make it through. Oh, my God. Logic. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you're playing you're playing into the factions. Hey, you know, we just want to make sure somebody from QQ wins this thing. So we're taking Odeo Tai out tonight. Almost like the team of Shake and Bake. I got a message for all of them. Bake, shake, and bake. <laughs> it's Shake and Bake, and I helped. <laughs> Magic Man. Uh, then we get an amazing, an amazing promo from Odeo Tai, who just say, "Yeah, we're too busy for promos. Let's go fight." Apparently, this is Hazuki's home arena. Yeah. They say this interview is taken away from their strength as they have two matches tonight. A little bit of cockiness. I like how on Hazuki's pants, she doesn't have the gym sponsorship on them. That's Kegetsu's sponsorship. Yeah, I like that they have the matching uniforms, but still allow for the individuality. I'm still unsure of the entrance mask here, but they're cool. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love them. I, I loved everything about this entrance. I like that they have the giant QQ flag that's all X'd out. Uh, like I said, the masks are on point. The dances is one of my favorite things in wrestling. Can't complain about any of it. Kigetsu and Ozuki come out to their own individualized tag team theme and not the main audio tie theme. That's right, Kigetsu. You bring that belt out. Every time. After the entrances are done, the crowd is like I am, and they are ready for this murder fest to begin. Uh, yeah, like I said, I was I, I had to remind myself to keep taking notes throughout this match because it's it's just that good of a match. And with the wave of old refs' magic hands, we're on our way. Kegetsu and Konami start off testing each other. We get some takedowns and grappling. They seem to be evenly matched until Kegetsu gets in the back head kick on Konami while she is down. Yeah, it's a nice little. Um... We have some amateur wrestling going on back and forth that leads into a stalemate. And then once the stalemate is realized, you have a hill being a hill. Followed by a snapmare and a back kick. 
but Konami gets up and does the same to Gagetsu. We quickly get to a standoff and applause for the tag out. Azumi and Hazuki are in the ring, and they do a lot in 15 seconds. Yeah, it's like a completely different style of match. High-paced, just nonstop. Azumi is running the ropes until Gagetsu pulls her out, and it looked legit. Yeah, it, it was another really good moment here. Like I said, you had the amateur wrestling starting off, led to a stalemate, so they tag out. Now we have the high pace going back and forth, leads to a stalemate, so the heels become heels because they're doing what they have to do to win. It's psychology, it's storytelling, it's great. You have two teams that both appear to be evenly matched, so the bad guys go, eh, we'll take it to the next level. Did you catch the announcement over the PA system? I did not. It's the ceremonial, everybody get the hell out of the way announcement. Nice. We have Kigetsu and Azumi on one side, and Konami and Hazuki on the other, fucking up all the seats in the house tonight. Yeah, they're throwing bodies and chairs left and right. I can't quite make it out, but apparently Player 3 has entered the fray. Yeah, it'd be Player 5 since it's a tag match, but yeah, I'm not sure who this woman was. So yeah, they're throwing bodies left and right. We got chairs flying. We get from where it appears to be around the announce table. So Konami's kind of thrown over what appears to be like the ring announcers area. And another woman joins the fray. I'm not quite sure who she was at first. They don't really explain. And then they bring her back to the ring and we find out it's Act. Currently, she is the manager of Odeotai. And that's all we're saying about that because... That's all we're keeping in touch with. Yeah, so they set her up. They do the little audio tie ring rope spot where they they push on her head from both sides with some feet and they pose. Nice little spot, nice little nod to get act involved. Well done. Kigetsu comes in and sprays mist at Konami before she goes after Azumi. Good Osaka crab right in the middle of the ring from Kigetsu to Azumi. Azumi finally makes it to the ropes, but Azuki comes in with the assist and gets the double drop toehold and flying sentons on Azumi. Did you notice something here that was just great little hill work that I don't think I've ever seen anybody do before? When Azumi reaches the ropes and the ref breaks it up, before she can get away, Hazuki comes over and stands on her hand that's holding on to the bottom rope. Just to get that extra little bit of damage in. Come on, man. She's a genius. Beautiful hill work. Azumi starts to mount a comeback, but Kigetsu just boots her in the face for it. That's what happens when you're twice their size. Damn nice Hurakurana from Azumi to Kigetsu. And Kigetsu ends up laying on the bottom rope to receive a hell of a kick to the face. Yeah. Azumi is learning quick. Azumi finally gets the tag to Konami, but Hazuki comes in to help double-team Konami. Konami gets in some of her stiff kicks, and she gets on the top turnbuckle, and Gegetsu is running to knock her off, but Konami grabs her for armbar number 56. Followed Hazuki, by? Hazuki runs in to help, but gets caught up in it as well for armbar number 56-2. Armbar. Yeah, it was, it was really well done. Usually the double armbar looks silly, but the fact that they're doing it up in the, the turnbuckle and in the corner area, it actually pulls off really nicely. Konami locks in the crossface armbar, number 87. But Kagetsu gets up and they start trading kicks. And I think I speak for everybody listening to this podcast, now, past, in the future. Fuck that, I ain't taking any of those kicks. No kicks for me. Konami has Kagetsu in another submission, and Hazuki is leaning on the side and trying to get Kagetsu to tag the rope. Azumi comes in and kicks her ass back into yesterday. Kagetsu powers Konami up while still locked in the submission and muscles it into a belly-to-back suplex. Good yeah. God, it is rightfully applauded. You now know why she has a gym sponsorship. She is a fucking beast, man. Complete deadlift. No way for Konami to help in this at all. As she was wrapped around Kigetsu's body for the start of the move. It's a, this is all upper body strength by Kigetsu, and it is phenomenal. Kigetsu rolls to tag in Hazuki, and she does the top rope missile kick to Konami. This is followed by an array of reversals into a front face arm submission. Azumi runs in to break it up, and it helps Konami get the upper hand. Cross body kick from Konami to Hazuki only results in a two count, but Konami locks up Hazuki in arm bar number 93. Arm bar. Hazuki makes it to the ropes and we get a double kick into a code breaker. Yes, and that's all in about 15 seconds. Hazuki body slams Konami, but only gets a two. She goes up top, but Konami rolls out of the way. Hazuki then goes back up to go after Konami, but she was ready and locks her up in arm bar number 45. Arm bar. 
Kagetsu runs in, stops right in front of Konami. It was at this moment he knew. He fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and kicks the ever-loving shit out of her. It's going to continue to sound redundant every time we talk about these matches, but you really have to see these kicks to believe them, man. Like, it's not for the weak. Kagetsu Irish whips Azumi into the corner, but Azumi spider climbs the ropes and crossbodies onto Kagetsu. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. B, take that's note, how, man. That's how you get up top quick. That's how it's done. Azumi clears out Kagetsu, but Azuki is getting the upper hand on Konami until Konami rolls through another submission attempt to get the three in 12.01 to the shock of Kagetsu and the audience. Yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting this finish, and it was just really well done. I like, I just have stalls a roll-up into a pen. Like, I don't even know how she quite pulled this off, but it was so fluid and so wonderful, and a perfect ending. Kagetsu tries to rough up Old Ref, but he is out of there quickly. Yeah, he, he wants none of this. I, I just can't get over the story on this. Even though you don't have a chance at the finals of the tournament, you still wanted to win this to assist your stable in being able to achieve the overall goal of trying to get the tag belts. Yeah. Belts matter for our stable, not just so much for us individually. And then, like I said, you had the whole, everything in this match built up this, we're evenly matched, we're evenly matched. And you think the hills are going to pull it off because they're able to go that one step above and be hills. But then the faces find a way to pull it out legally without having to resort to any underhanded tactics and still get the win. It was just master match of the night easily. Do still pay attention to the rest of the matches. But this is the match you should definitely check out from the show. Absolutely. And it plays into the Queen Quest storyline of they want all the belts by any means necessary. Really well put together. Our last red bracket match is Jungle Kiona and Natsuko versus Tam and Shiki. Yeah, another four ladies who just want to hurt each other as much as possible. Open a pre-match promo with Tam and Shiki. They are the babyfaces and are really excited. Go big surprise. It's such a weird tag name. My goodness at how fast Jungle Kiona talks. <laughs> Yes, but you're skipping over the Tam and Shiki promo, which was, it's fate we're fighting the champs, because with momentum, we can win, so let's win. Okie dokie. <laughs> and then I actually was able to slow down the subtitles and follow along with Jungle. We need to win, because we're the champs, so we need to win. Well done. <laughs> yes. That actually plays into a point that I have here in just a second. Out first is Tam, Shiki, and Pichan, who look to be in sync with each other. Yeah, they're they're playing. Like I said, I, I like this tag team. I, I'm not wanting to spoil, but I, I wish Shiki was around a little bit longer. Uh, I think that I think it's a good team. Jen and Natsuko come out next. It was said during that Vice documentary that we watched a while back by Jungle herself that one of the points that she needs to work on the most during her stardom tenure is her charisma. So she's aware. And she is actively trying to work on it. You can definitely see that in this match. And I, I think even with the come out, she's getting there. She, she's definitely getting there. She's good. Don't get it twisted here. But you can tell that she's still a little nervous in a crowd like this. Yeah. But she's doing really great. Yeah. We have a new ring announcer. It's Japanese Dave Pinzer. Yeah. Did, did you hear how he called it? <laughs> <laughs> Old Ref must be working the whole night tonight. Yeah, he's definitely not taking a break. Give this man a raise. Give him all the monies. And let him sleep in the back if he needs to. He probably does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have seen him on a couple of promos where he'll pass by Eaton. Yeah, and he looks like he's... He always <laughs> looks a little bit tired. They just kind of naps in the back and wake him up when it says time to go out and ref. We start with a handshake from Shiki and Jungle, but Sneaky Shiki kicks Jungle from behind as she's walking away and a brawl quickly ensues. Sneaky Shiki, huh? I like that. <laughs> Tam and Shiki team up on Jungle with gymnastics, stomps, and double drop kicks. That's all I have, dude. I don't know what to call any of this. <laughs> I'm down with all of that. That works for me. I put some wrestling happened. Jungle reverses a suplex attempt and easily body slams Shiki twice. Boy, she's got some strength on her. Yeah, she does. 
Natsuko runs in to assist Jungle, and they do double splashes on Shiki. Jungle and Shiki are in a headlock, and Shiki is trying to get to her corner. Mm-hmm. But Jungle easily drags her over to tag in Natsuko. She comes in and puts Shiki into a submission until Tam breaks it up with kicks. Natsuko walks over to talk some business to Tam, but quickly turns around to get the drop kick on Shiki. Yeah, I have a note on that. That's really good tag team work. She's staying between Shiki and Tam to keep the, the tag from happening. Kudos. Jungle tags in, and the beatings will continue until morale improves. Yeah, her elbows, I, I don't know if I'd take a kick or an elbow from fucking Jungle first. I, I, neither, please. But if I had to choose one, I don't want to make that choice. Holy shit, is Shiki dead? I think so. Jungle booted her to the face with something fierce. Yeah. But Shiki gets straight back up and forearms Jungle until Jungle just bitch slaps her away. Yeah, <laughs> Jungle is having none of this. Shiki finally gets in the tag to Tam, and Tam goes to town on the body kicks to Jungle. Yeah, she's decided to get the receipts for Shiki. Since Shiki couldn't get them, Tam's going to get them. Tam does a spinning mule kick to Jungle's head, and she goes down like a sack of potatoes. Tam tries to move Jungle around, but Natsuko comes in, and they double-team Tam. Tam gets the upper hand by ducking them and knocking them both down. Jungle reverses an Irish whip into the corner and clotheslines Tam in half for a two-count. Was this the one that was broken up? Yep. I had a question on this one. Okay. Shiki climbs up to break the pin. She walked past them to climb the ropes to break up the pin. I think there might have been just an itty bit of mismanagement. Yeah. yeah. I was <laughs> like, why didn't you just kick her? <laughs> Something goofed here. Excuse me. I'm going up top. Slow down the pin. I'm letting you know I am about to break this up. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, though, you walked right by him and you still broke it up on a two count. How fast were you going? Yeah, kudos again. They didn't. The ref didn't actually have to slow down the count. It was a normal count, and it still worked. It was just a little funny moment of, why didn't you just kick him while you were beside him? I wonder if old ref was just sitting there on the count. He hits two, where he's about to hit two, and looks up and sees. Uh, I don't think he ever looks the other way. He just counts. You break it up or you don't. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not race car ref. You'd never catch him. Oh my god. <laughs> Jungle gets up and tags in Natsuko, who runs in with a knee to the gut. Tam and Shiki start clearing house until they try to suplex Jungle, but Jungle suplexes both of them. Nice double-team stalling vertical suplex from Jungle, followed by second and top rope splashes. Shiki quickly splashes on them to break the pin. Doesn't this hurt Tam too since she's on the bottom? She actually does sell it a little bit though, so it's okay. Yeah, no, they do a good job of making sense with it. But yeah, it's the same thing. Why are you hurting your teammate? Tam tries to go to Suplex City, but only makes it to the city limits. Tam does a running knee to the face of Natsuko. Through the face of Natsuko. (laughs) (laughs) We get a crisscross until Natsuko spears Tam. I don't know what it is, but Natsuko gave the business to Tam. Yeah, it was an interesting spot. Like I just have it marked down as swinging scoop slam thing. I'm not sure what she did, but it looked nice. Shiki breaks the pin, and her and Jungle fight on the apron. Tam and Natsuko go back and forth with elbows as they're trying to get up. Tam hits a roundhouse. 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 On Natsuko and lays her out with it. Both are down for the count, and we get a double count-out draw at 8.51 for one point in the tournament as they beat the shit out of each other. Two notes on this ending. For one, when was the last time you saw a double knockout that actually looked like a knockout? Oh, I I don't know. Usually it's like a double count-out, double DQ, yeah. or some mess like that. Really well done, and part of that is because as Tam comes to, she keeps crawling over trying to fight. And I don't know if you've ever passed out or been knocked out during a fight, but that's exactly how you come to. You still think you're in a fight, and you're still trying to fight. You have no idea what's going on. So just massive props to Tam for keeping that, making that look that much more realistic, and then having to pull her off and go, no, the match is over. So for the first time, we hear a theme for a draw. It's the stardom promotion theme. No one won, so you don't get your theme played, WWE. I liked it. But even with the draw, these ladies get a well-deserved round of applause from the audience. 
Yeah, I think if this match had gone another couple minutes and had, again, not knocking the finish, but had an actual finish, it would have been contender for match of the night. I like the double knockout. It's a way for both of them to look strong without getting the full points needed to move on in the tournament. Nobody looked bad. And you have a future feud here if you need to because you have just two hard-hitting, impactful teams that are ready to go at it again at a moment's notice. This match was well-paced all throughout, and it just kind of, the double count-out just made it suddenly stop to shock and awe. Yeah. I wasn't ready for the finish, but I was very okay with it. Yeah, exactly. For our next-to-last blue bracket match of the night, we have Momo and Utami versus Hana and Mary. Cut to Momo and Utami, who are not underestimating their opponents. <laughs> I like that. Just simple. They're tough, but we're tougher. We'll win. Hana looks on as Mary speaks at 100 miles an hour. Something about Mexico. Hana and Mary are out first, followed by Utami and Momo with her white belt. Gotta have the belt. If it's yours, you wear it everywhere. I actually have a note here that was brought up by somebody that watched our last review. Fair enough. Is Utami wearing a G-string? No, that's actually, uh, I, I was curious about that the first time I saw it as well. If you look, it's actually connected to the shorts. It's just a style choice. I hope that's the case because, my goodness, this is not the promotion to be wearing a G-string like that. No, no, no. If you actually look, you can clip it in. Uh, it's just the top part of her shorts. We start with Utami and Mary, and Mary is using her weight advantage a lot. This is the first time I think we've ever seen her start off a match wrestling like a big girl. But damn, she can go. She can. She's not going to be doing any 450s, but she's quick on her feet and can brawl. Yeah. A leapfrog that I'm only going to say no. Just no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm calling this move the Mexican figure quattro. Okay. <laughs> Looks painful as shit, and she rolls it into a modified cross face? Yes. Hana comes in to prevent Momo from interfering and gives a little stomp to Atami on her way out. Just just for good measure. Yeah, let's let you know who the, the full-on hill is in this match. Hana is in now, and she taunts away at Utami with some snug-looking kicks. As Hana tags in Mary, she puts the boots to Utami in the corner. Nice drop toe hold from Mary to Utami as we get the double bow and arrows, which is always awesome. I'm a fan. And then Mary goes and tries to kill Utami by turning it into a crossbow. Hana is still taunting Utami, and as Utami tries to get in some offense, they do a screaming contest. That went on for a second, and I was rolling laughing on this one. Yeah, it was it was pretty amusing. Momo gives crossbody kicks to Mary and Hana until Mary kicks Momo in the butt. Right in the butt. Utami is tagged back in and puts Hana in the torture rack. Nice suplex from Hana to Utami. Utami goes to bounce off the ropes, but Hana catches her with a standing drop kick. Nice. Yeah, that was a really good spot. Hana goes for something, but Utami catches her and drops her down. Not sure what this was, but it came off pretty good. Yeah, it looked nice. Momo is tagged in and gets some kicks in, but Hana catches her in a leg bar? Leg bar number four. Momo finally makes it to the ropes for a break. Hana tags in Mary and gets some offense on Momo. I am amazed to see what Mary can do here. She does a flying body flip. She misses, but good lord, it's amazing to see someone of her considerable carriage do with such ease. <laughs> yeah. Momo gets Mary in the corner and hits a couple of drop kicks. Momo goes to toss over Mary, and it ain't happening. Not even close. Mary goes to turn it into a power bomb, but Momo rolls it into a pin attempt. No bother. Momo will just give Mary a double knee to the face. And another one off the second rope. But it only gets a two. Mary just pulls out a JBL lariat on Momo. For reasons. Yep. Utami barely gets in to break up the pin. Fucking Mary does a jumping senton on Momo. What the hell is this? Yeah, I don't know where this Mary's come from. Fuck you, physics. <laughs> <laughs> Mary picks up Momo for a body slam. But Momo rolls it into a schoolgirl. For the three in 9.52. Yeah, it was a nice little sneaky roll up out of nowhere. Hana starts giving the business to old ref. And Mary joins in. They clear the ring and leave quickly. Yeah, this would probably be my only down spot of the night. 
just because we already had someone try to attack Old Ref, leave him alone. He's a treasure. Um, so we didn't need it twice in one night. Uh, the only bad thing I can point out in this match is, is that it went way too fast, man. You're saying that Mary was too fast? I could have done with another five minutes of this. That is a compliment for Mary. They could have slowed down and built the hot tags better. Agreed. But again, if they had stretched this out, I'd have been perfectly fine with that. I, I can't disagree. I'm not really sure why Otami's in this for so long, though. I think it's just this was the whole she's still new to the company at this point, and they're building her as this kind of indestructible rookie at the time at the moment. So maybe let her go a little bit longer to show how awesome she is. I still don't understand how Mary can go and be the weight that she's at. My God, it's impressive. And, and kudos to her. Like I said, she breaks it out when she needs to. It was needed. It wasn't necessarily needed for this match, but it worked out well in this match. I mean, the amount of stuff that she does in this match, you know she has to do cardio like a motherfucker through the week. Right. How is she still this big? Lots of willpower. <laughs> Dude, she's winning me over, man. I said I, I, I can't hate. I'm actually surprisingly a fan as well. It's our last match before the finals, and it's a blue bracket match with Mayu and Saki versus Starlight Kid and Natsumi. If there's one thing this tournament has done, it's found a way to have a bizarre dynamic of heel-heel and face-face matches without having it seem too out of place for us. Yeah. Kid and Natsumi start the pre-match promo, and it's Natsumi's first time in this arena. Remember, Natsumi is the daughter of Mary Apache. Kid builds her up by saying that the audience will get to see some lucha. I'm not so sure they saw that the last time, but I'll let it slide. You know, their promo is, we'll do our best, which is really all you need from them. Mayu and Saki are in a different part of the arena and don't remember if they won the last match. Oh, wait, of course they did. I like the little bit of, we, we have to win, and then just awkwardness. Kid, wearing that belt out, and Natsumi are followed out by, by Mayu and Saki. Damn camera and lights are trying to give me a seizure here. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm not a fan of this the setup of this building. It's, it's definitely not conducive to good wrestling. Natsumi and Saki start off with some grappling and smooth reversals. One quick moment, real quick. Okay. Yep, yep. So you have your custom Ric Flair robe, correct? I do. Made it myself. When are we going to see a custom Mayu jacket? Ooh. <laughs> That's going to take a while. <laughs> I think you can pull it off, man. You got to you gotta put in all the sparklies and everything. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the two face teams meet in the middle to shake hands before we start. Yay, face teams. Yay. We like each other, and then we don't. Natsumi and Saki start off with some grappling and some smooth reversals. Nice arm drag takeover by Natsumi to Saki, but Saki quickly shows her how to do it better. Mayu is on the outside, stretching her leg on the top rope. Holy shit! I remember when I was that flexible. I was about three. I wish I could say that. I can't even get my foot up to my knee level. My feet are propped up on the floor right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things. But I love when two are evenly matched and the standoff gets applause. Yeah. They realize this ain't working out, so they tag out. Oh, shit. It's the one that issues stiff kicks to the one that receives stiff kicks. Mayu versus future Mayu. <laughs> Another quick display of evenness and a standoff. But as Mayu is going to tag in Saki, Kid rushes yes. Mayu and Natsumi joins in. First death kick to Kid, one. Nice double team to Bulldog and drop kick. Followed with a stomp and senton from Saki and Mayu. Stereo drop kicks to Kid. Mayu tags in Saki and Saki puts the boots to her in the corner. Followed by a snapmare into a headlock and then into some arm submission. Nice, but Kid makes the ropes. Mayu flies into the corner to death kick Kid. Number two. How many can she survive? Mayu and Kid try something, but Physics has decided to take a break from enforcing gravity and stuff happens. I think it was a Tilt-A-Whirl DDT. Yeah, I think I think Starlight hits Mayu with a Tilt-A-Whirl DDT with Extra Whirl at this point. It was a, it was really fast and kind of hard to follow, but that's a, that's about the best I can make out of it. Things happened. <laughs> Things happened, heads hit ground. Natsumi gets tagged in and starts bowling over Mayu. Natsumi tries to suplex Mayu, but she drops down. Mayu gets up to body slammer, and you can actually see her leg shake a little bit, so she is muscling all of this herself. Yeah, she doesn't have a lot of muscle, but she's able to use what she's got. Stiff-ass kick to the back from Mayu to Natsumi. No. Saki gets tagged in, and 
Death kick to kid number three off the apron. She gonna die. Uh, I have here 1348. Not sure what that's called, but oh, hell no. Yeah, she muscled her down with an arm bar and then trapped her arm between her legs and just dropped down on it. Yeah. I like how Saki does a near full spin on someone when she body slams them. It's a lot of strength and it looks really good. Yeah, it's a nice little touch. Mayu gets tagged in and does a nice pulling arm submission off the ropes onto Natsumi. She follows this up with the drop kick from hell. Yeah, I don't think she knows how to kick anybody without using every bit of her body weight. Saki comes back in and goes for something, but Natsumi ties her up in the El Nudo. The hog tie. She stomps Saki while she's tied up and barrel rolls the wrong way to tag in Kid, who drop kicks Saki out of the knot. Did you see that? Yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> ah, shit! <laughs> Mayu gets a sneaky back kick into Kid as Saki tossed her into the ropes. Yep. Kid reverses a double suplex into the double DDT. Really well done. As Mayu is running out of the corner, Kid drop toe holds Mayu on top of Saki. Kid stomps Mayu, then does a standing senton on top of both of them. Yeah. Death kick to Kid. Four. She's not going to have a head left at the end of this match. Kid goes for the 8166, but Mayu catches her during the attempt and drags her inside. Somehow, this was turned into a pin attempt on Mayu from Kid, but only gets a two. We go right into a single arm underhook dragon suplex, which you've named what? The Fisherman Neckbreaker. Love it. With a bridge. Mayu goes for something off the top, but Kid ducks and Mayu lands ass first on the mat. Shit! Yeah, like I said, she throws her full body weight into everything she does. Kid does her underhook sweeping pin, but only gets a two. Finally, Kid tags in Natsumi, who hits some forearms, and a Hurricanrana roll into a two-count pin. I don't know what this is, but I'm calling it the Torque Wrench. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck you call that. It's a weird... Okay, so... Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right? Let me see. So Natsumi has Mayu in a standing arm bar head thing with both her arms pulled behind her back. And then Starlight goes for a bridging... And I have there, what kind of submission does Kid have on Saki? Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. It's a bridging cross face figure four? Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's try to call this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Natsumi puts Mayu in the El Nudo in the ropes. And her and Kid double dropkick Mayu. Mayu's had enough of your shit, Natsumi. It's time to die. Saki gets tagged in and starts to try and finish off Natsumi with a boot to the face in the ropes, because of reasons. Nice double underhook suplex, but somehow Natsumi gets Saki tied up in a submission and rolls her up for a two-count crucifix. Yeah, it was a nice little, again, the rings of Saturn here. Saki had her arm between Natsumi's legs for the pin, and Natsumi rolled it over and pulled the other arm back to go for the rings of Saturn. Natsumi puts on a leg bar, but Mayu manages to get past Kid to break it. Saki does a double bulldog on Natsumi and Kid. So, Mayu has Natsumi up, and Saki does a running bulldog on Natsumi. All right. (laughs) Okay. Mayu isn't fully aware that she can fly, I guess. No. Let me crack my knuckles here, because we're about to go into some some actual math here. Some math? Oh, my God. Uh, you You know what spot I'm talking about here. Oh, the frog splash with too much frog. So Mayu isn't fully aware that she has the ability to fly, I guess. Saki does the spinning body slam, and Mayu comes flying off the top rope to splash in on Natsumi. But she almost misses and lands her feet right into Natsumi's chest. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that if Mayu had actually put some effort into this, she could have done a coast-to-coast diagonally from the ring corners. Yeah, she seemed to jump off with barely any power whatsoever and still somehow managed to miss her. This is followed by Saki doing a top rope stomp and Kid breaking the pin. So, I crunched some numbers after thinking about this. I'm guessing, on proportional estimates, that the ring is a 16 by 16 here? Um, yeah, probably. Meaning it's about 22.63 feet diagonally across the ring. Mayu landed on the other side of Natsumi, and I'm guessing that would have put Mayu nearly 16 feet across the ring. Or outside the length of the ring itself, right? So if she had been doing this from side to side, it had mm-hmm. been 
way overshot on a coast to coast. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance that Mayu could actually do the coast to coast diagonally across the ring because her jump didn't look full force at all. No, it looked like she just kind of almost fell off a little bit. Stats ain't math. Stats ain't math. But that was math. Wrestling math. Better than wrestle math. 30 seconds of madness. Yeah, I just have chaos. Somewhere in there, Mayu super kicks kid straight up in the chin. Death kick to kid, five. So you're saying at this point, Starlight is a Terminator. Gotta be, right? Right. The T1, T-1000 absorbs the foot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is being held on the ropes, and the bell rings. It is a legitimate 15-minute time limit draw to the nose for one point each. Yeah, like really good. Like I said, you said it, I said it. There was a bunch of just chaos at the end, and I wasn't quite sure what was going on until the time limit draw happened. And that's exactly how you do a time limit draw. Everybody knows, hey, we're running out of time. Get in as much offense. Try to put them away before we can't do it. Really well put together. After the match, we get the faces coming together to a round of applause. Very well done, y'all. Yeah. The only thing that kind of weirded me out on this a little bit, and just a little bit, is right after they kind of all four hug, Mayu kind of jets to the back quickly, leaving just Saki, Starlight, and Natsumi. Well, I'm thinking that Starlight might want to hunt her down for all that shit. <laughs> you think she's just trying to get away from the receipts? Or One thing I want to add on to this is, is that when we get time limit draws in other federations or promotions, they're told before they go out there, hey, you're going to be out there for X amount of time. We're going to go to a time limit draw. And two things usually happen. Either they ring the bell early and call it the, quote, wrestling 15 minutes, or they go out there knowing that it's going to go to a time limit draw and kind of trail off at the end of the match. Yeah. These ladies went the full 15 minutes legitimately and did an amazing job. It looks like they actually had a 20-minute match laid out. Yeah, it was really well put together. It's time for the final match of the Goddess of Stardom tournament with the winner of the blue bracket, Momo and Atami, Facing off against the winner of the red bracket, B and Chardonnay. I want to make a quick note on this. As you've pointed out in in the previous episode, when you go into the set of matches for the night, they're clipped into different videos, so you can watch them as is. The finals were not spoiled in the thumbnail here. They just had winner of red versus winner versus blue. It's a small thing, but it's a nice thing. So you don't know, clicking on that button, who's going to be in this match that you're about to watch. They don't spoil it on their own page. Kudos. AEW. <laughs> As we're doing the introductions for Momo, just starting off, right? Mm-hmm. Be in Chardonnay Russian because they ain't got time for that shit. And Old Ref is in there frantically trying to get everything out of the ring so we can start this off. Would you say the Brits bum rushed them? See that? See what I did there? Be in Chardonnay double team Momo to start, and it's Momo and B in the ring. Nice suplex from B to Momo for a two count. B just drags Momo by the arm over to the corner to tag in Chardonnay. That's pretty cool. Just straight power. Chardonnay comes in and boots her a few times before putting her in a weird arm bar submission. Number 78? 78. B starts making Momo humble, and Chardonnay comes in to add the Osaka crab to the mix. Fuck no. Yeah, the camel clutch and the crab. It looks great. I'm not taking it. Tommy comes in and breaks it all up and gets dumped out by B for her troubles. Momo gets in a nice drop kick on B and crawls to get the tag to Utami, who starts cleaning house. Nice leg sweep by Utami to B. Momo gets tagged back in and knocks the wind out of B with a crossbody kick. She does this five times and gets B in the corner for a flying drop kick. She goes for it again, but B ducks and drops the knees to Momo's face. Matt, what is that electric chair-looking drop thing? Uh, It's not an electric chair. electric chair would actually be on top of the shoulders. This is the backpack. That's when you wear them like a backpack. And in this version, it's the backpack stunner. So the backpack into a stunner. Stereo kicks to each other, Momo and B, and both of them are down. Utami and Chardonnay are in now, and C does her sideways single-leg code breaker. She tries for a double underhook suplex, but Utami reverses out. And Chardonnay catches her for it again. B is going up top to break up the madness, but Momo runs over to stop her. I can't really pay attention to Utami and Chardonnay because B just stomped Momo in the gut out of the corner. Yeah. Chardonnay has Utami in a rack for B to jump off of and just stomp Utami down onto the bat. 
It's the Death Valley driver into a stomp from the top rope. They pulled it off in the last match as well. This should be a finishing move for a tag team. Somehow, though, Momo gets in to break up the count. Yeah, that's the only way I can accept a a not finish of this match with this is somebody breaking it up because this is an excellent finisher for a tag team. Utami does a nice arm drag reversal into a choke on Chardonnay in the middle of the ring, but B comes in to break it up. Momo grabs Chardonnay for an assisted Peach Sunrise with Utami coming off the top rope. Again, no. No. Yeah, I I had a little bit of a problem with this one because they did. They hit the double peach sunrise driver, which looked great. And then she tried to get her up into the torture rack out of it. But Chardonnay kind of falls out of it. It should have been the finish right here. Utami picks up Chardonnay and goes for a torture rack, but drops her out and grabs a choke. Utami flips her into a slam while the choke is being applied and eventually lets go. She finally gets Chardonnay into the torture rack, and oh my god, somebody submitted to the torture rack! Yeah, like I said, this would be probably the one instance that we've seen in stardom to where they kind of went for a move, it didn't happen, and they eventually go back to the move. I said they did it really well by putting in the sleeper and then the sleeper slam and then going back into it. But you can kind of tell that the rack was supposed to come after the double peach driver. I can't complain. They, they like I said, they played it off really well. And kudos to all four girls. Momo and Itami celebrate in the ring while Japanese Jack Tunney makes his way inside with the trophy. And Momo and Itami are announced as the winners of the 2018 Goddess of Stardom Tournament. Old Ref actually gets them situated for a proper photo in the middle of the ring. Thank you, Old Ref. Yeah, good job, Old Ref. And holy hell, this trophy is almost as big as the women. <laughs> we have a post-match promo with Utami talking first and reintroducing herself and saying they won the tournament. Momo confirms this to applause. Momo issues a challenge for their team to take on Jungle Kiona and Natsuko, who are the current goddess champions. Jungle is not amused. She says that since they didn't win the tournament, that they have to accept the challenge of Momo and Itami. Oh my god! More story! More story. <laughs> and with that, QQ gets to close the show. Momo hands it over to Otami to do it. After the closing chant, Momo and Utami exit through the audience, shaking babies and kissing hands. Shake hands, kiss baby. Shake hands, kiss hands. Shake baby. Shake baby. Kiss hands. Shake baby. It was a really nice little ending where you still get that Utami hasn't been here long. So she she points out a couple times, I'm not Queen's Quest, I'm not Queen's Quest. So I'm ending it with the stardom chant instead of the Queen's Quest chant. Nice little continuity going on here. So despite both teams pulling double duty, this was a decent pace match. It was probably one of the quicker matches of the night, probably because they both pulled double duty. But it was still really high-paced, really hard-hitting, really well done. Like I did for the first show, we had 54 minutes and 7 seconds of actual bell-to-bell and only a minute 7 seconds outside the ring, giving us an amazing 1.9% of the time brawling outside the ring. Since that 1 minute and 7 seconds was used as a way to give act a moment, I can't even complain about that 1 minute 7 seconds. Now, I'm not going to be doing these numbers for all the shows that we do, but only if it becomes really blatant and obvious that we're spending too much time outside the ring. Right. I'm just doing this as an example to show that when you have a wrestling show, it's okay to have the matches in the ring where everybody can see it. Yeah, you don't have to take shortcuts. So, Matt, what did you think of the tournament? The tournament as a whole, I, I'm a big fan. As I said, you got to showcase 16 of your talent over two nights. Nobody came out of this looking bad. Every match in the first night went to a pinfall or submission. You had a couple matches in the second night that ended with what some people would call screwy finishes, but they weren't the same. One was a knockout. One was a time limit draw. Everybody came out of it strong. Even the teams that you thought were probably going to win that ended up losing their match lost in a way to where... It sets up stuff for the future. Like, it was just really well put together as a whole. So I, I'm a fan. I love the point system over the course of a month and how it wraps up in two shows that focus on tag teams. Mm-hmm. For me, I could not ask for a better wrap-up of this. Yeah. We had two matches tonight that would normally be considered fuck finishes anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. But here, they made sense, and they played into the actual tournament, and the conditions of other teams making it into the matches or not. 
Another problem that you usually have with messed up finishes is is that people come in and interfere. We get DQs. That's not what this was. These were no. time limit draws and double knockouts. I am absolutely okay with that. Yeah, like I said, it's it played into the story. It kept everybody looking strong. It built future feuds. It's the way to do it. Currently, Stardom doesn't do any pay-per-views. But this had a pay-per-view feel all over the show. Yeah, like I said, there was a the couple matches that were comedy matches. It works in this sense of an hour-long show, put in a little bit for everybody, um, but nothing was a bad match. Like we talked about last show, when you have a start a match that starts off real slow, you know that they're going to get better as the time goes on throughout the match. Because mm-hmm. they're actually building up to something at the end of the match. Now, it's possible to overdo this throughout the show and whatnot, but again, I was absolutely A-OK with everything. It can become a little formulaic at times, but it never it never happened during either of these shows. So out of everything that you saw tonight, let's see who survived all this to make it to the November 10th show back over at Shinkiba First Ring. So Matt, what was your match of the night? Uh, match of the night has got to be, without a doubt, Odeotai and QQ. The story that was told, everything that was put together, all four women... Konami, Azumi, Kagetsu, and Hazuki, they worked this match to perfection. Hard to beat. If not match of the year, definitely match of the night. For you? So you know that normally I don't like heel-heel or face-face matches and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to have to pick the same match as you, but for a slightly different reason. To me, this match was all about the story. You had two members of Queen's Quest that were going in there to better the odds for their stable mates to win the tournament overall throughout the night. And in this situation, that actually put them to be the faces of the match against Kigetsu and Izuki. Yeah, it was well done. This match right here was probably the best match of 2018 that had the best action and the best story put together for an overall package. And that's something that we haven't seen in a long time. Agreed. The coveted Hill of the Night, for me, has to be Odeotai's Hazuki. As I pointed out, there were just little things, such as when AZM hit the ropes for the rope break, she ran over and stand on the hand so she couldn't get immediately away. As I said, it was just these little things that she did throughout her match that made her the hill of the night for me. And you? It was a tough call for me this show. I was really close to picking Mayu for this show. Only because she tried to murder somebody on live TV. I was close. But then I noticed something about Mayu during her match. What's that? Did you start to pick up that there's a couple of little flareisms in her repertoire? I did not notice this. She works the corner during the tag matches like a horseman. Not really causing distractions, but putting the focus where it needs to be when it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So obviously, she's been watching some of the Nature Boy. She's been fashioning some of her jackets in kind of the same manner as well, too, would you say? I can see the, the flare there. Flair, get your ass over there and help her finish it off. <laughs> Why haven't you been over there and made yourself known to Japan here recently, Flair? This is why you are heel of the night. <laughs> so as we get ready to move on to the November 10th show at Shinkiba First Ring, let's see who actually survived out of these matches to make it to that show. That's it for me, Waldo. And I'm the Matt. And Dr. Brian here, as always, with the Face for Wrestling podcast. Catch all of our episodes on YouTube and in audio form on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can follow us on the Twitter at Face for Wrestling and on Facebook. Whenever Matt, oh, you actually got the Facebook set up. We have a Facebook. Facebook.com slash Face for Wrestling. We intend on dropping a stardom episode every month on the 9th, as usual. And at this point, because this should come right out right after the New Year's, mm-hmm. I don't know when we're going to drop the NWA episodes later in the month yet. Should be the 24th. Yeah, 24th, somewhere around there. We're close. Yeah. Thanks for watching, and remember, as always, stats ain't math.
で最後に終わりの会本当にドラマで歌舞伎を支援してくれて感謝してます応援されていてよかったですサラダの音は大好きだよけど応援されても歌舞伎のことを応援してくれた皆さんの心が大好きです